Mike Murray. This is SNL. 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 By the numbers. 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 Happy Wednesday. We are back. It's a Wednesday night. That means we do SNL by the numbers on the Saturday Night Network. I am your host, Mike Murray. We are covering episode 946 of the aforementioned beloved sketch comedy show on NBC, SNL, hosted by Quinta Brunson, musical guest Lil Yachty. Um, happy to be back. Happy Passover. Happy Easter. Happy Ramadan, everybody. It's, it's the season where five episodes left of this season of SNL. So we're going to talk about this episode and go through the numbers. I got a couple A to Z guests tonight with me. I'm going to go reverse alphabetical, introduce my guest Zoe Walker, making her SNL by the numbers debut. How are you doing, Zoe? I'm good. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk about numbers and stats. I'm a kindergarten teacher, so I usually talk about like just numbers one through ten. <laughs> Yeah, no like double decimal point, you know, nothing yep, like no, that. No, no rounding or <laughs> fractions. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you can help uh, us break some down to, to easier terms because I, I tend to, uh, you know, get really deep in the stats. So yeah, might maybe. be a helpful uh, resource. <laughs> and uh, you can also join me and John Schneider's team of people that share a last name with SNL cast. Yeah. Yes. When I first was on, I was like, oh, I should have made a joke about him being my brother or something, but <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> what a killed. <laughs> yes. And then my A guest tonight, as in Zoe being my Z guest, back after two years, he's got a better beard and he's better looking. It's Andrew Haynes. What's up? It's so great to be here. It has been a really long time. Two years is a long time. Um, I appreciate the beard compliments. Um, I'm just looking forward to talking SNL with you guys. Like, I mean, talking numbers is one of my favorite things. I'm a big baseball guy, which is definitely the most metric sport, you know. Um, I'm wearing my Braves jersey right now. Gold trim, 2021 World Series champions Braves jersey. So uh, I'll be seeing them, seeing them with the Padres on Friday in Atlanta. Um also down there for a baby shower. So um, just excited to talk numbers. I Folks might know too that I'm a fish head and fish heads are like obsessed with statistics about the band and stuff too. So that was what attracted me to this whole, you know, Saturday Night Network thing when John first mentioned it several years ago is I love stats in general um, and obviously SNL. So uh, you could have me on, you know, more than every two years if you wanted. Yeah, that'll, that'll happen. Uh, and also, shout out Haynes. I mean, I think you were one of the first people that uh, John would put my stats up, and you're like, "Oh, I love these," and I was I, like, "Yeah, I do." This is, yeah. this, I'm like, "This is my dog right here." <laughs> this guy's this guy's like giving me props. Um, anyway, and uh, for the folks at home, uh, tell them what a fish head is. <laughs> um, well, there's a band uh, called Fish. They were they were pretty popular <laughs> in the '90s. Uh, they're still pretty popular. They're, I mean, people go on tour. They're they're a jam band. They have a lot of orchestrated compositional stuff and, and a lot of improv uh, improv improvisation. And um, uh, but they're obsessed with statistics. So we measure our shows that we've been to and the songs you've seen, right. the frequencies, and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, we're we're like so whether it's music or comedy or sports, I'm a total stats guy. Love it. Love it. 
Zoe, do you uh, have any like obsession? Do you follow any any bands or anything like that? Any artists? No, I don't have any cool obsessions. <laughs> I mean, I'm here right now. <laughs> I'm really Beyonce obsessed tickets. with yeah. I'm in grad school and I got Beyonce tickets. Those kind of fell into my lap. Things just happen. <laughs> no obsessions. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are gonna debut the screen time for this last episode, and I'll, I'll start with you. Um, Zoe, as far as uh, how did you like Quinta on Saturday? Oh, I loved her. I was so excited to see she was hosting. Um, I feel like I've grown up with her, seeing her on like BuzzFeed and everything that was happening kind of when I was in middle school um, and high school. So it was really exciting to see like someone from the internet that I was watching on like my iPod Touch host SNL. Um, and then also like as a teacher, I like at first I couldn't watch Abbott Elementary because it was like too close to real life and it stressed me out. Yeah. But then I kind of got over that and I really love the show and I love what she's doing for teachers. So I was really excited to see her and I think she did a really great job. And can you tell me uh, what did Quinta Brunson do on BuzzFeed? Cause I heard someone else mention that on the podcast. Yeah. So she got her start kind of, I think, on BuzzFeed just doing like sketch comedies. She was in that... Um, that viral meme about the girl who's like never been on a date where she was like, Oh, you got money. If you'd seen that, that's kind of where she got famous. She was a meme. And then she was like a reoccurring person on um, Buzzfeed doing like sketch comedy, but like digital shorts and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, is she the first Buzzfeed alum to host? It has to be right. I think she has to be. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the screen time um, from last week. At the top of the list, of course, is Quinta Brunson with 16 minutes, 13 seconds, followed by cast member leader J.A.J., who third time in his career led the cast, and he had 9 minutes, 51 seconds. Um, you know, big bulk of that being in the cold open, pretty much a solo cold open as Trump, um, his 13th appearance as Trump. Uh, Colin Jost at number three, he's 7 minutes, 55 seconds, followed by Chloe Feynman, 6.44 Diana Gordon, the guest of Lil Yachty. I don't think I've ever seen a guest of the musical guest have more screen time, but she did. Um, 6.22 she had. Michael Che at 6.18. Lil Yachty at 5 minutes, 59 seconds. Marcelo Hernandez with another great uh, night. It's his third five-plus minute episode of the season. He had 5 minutes, 57 seconds. Bowen Yang at 5.25. Michael Longfellow with a career-high screen time of 4.56. Keenan Thompson with a respectable 4.38. Mikey Day, 3 minutes, 24 seconds. In the cold open, he appeared and then had that great traffic sketch. Devin Walker at 3 minutes, 24 as well. Andrew Dismukes with a good night, 3.20. Sarah Sherman, 3 minutes, 9 seconds. Molly Carney at 2 minutes, 45. They appeared twice. Punky Johnson appeared four times with 2 minutes, 36 seconds. John Higgins, 1 minute 55 seconds. And actually, we counted two appearances. One of them was the PDD um, Street Eat sketch and also a one-second voice appearance um, roasting, you know, or jeering Colin Jost and uh, Che's uh, April Fool's prank when he just yelled, you stink at him. Um, Heidi Gardner at 142. Ben Marshall, 139. Martin Hurley, 130. Ego with a uh, season low, 1 minute 20. We didn't see a lot of Ego, but when we did see her, it was great. And Steve Higgins with 12 seconds of voice work. So, Andrew Haynes, uh, two years later, you're seeing some screen time. What do you think? Well, the the, the first thing that jumped out to me um, was Diana Gordon. Um, definitely don't usually see a, a guest of a musical guest that far up the chart. But, the, but really, um, 
I mean, this is obviously a very unique situation that that put her up there. The thing that jumps out to me as far as regular players, I did not. I mean, I knew that Ego wasn't in this episode much, but um, but hate to see her solo. She's one of my favorites, um, and she feels like you know she's just been having a really awesome season, uh, particularly through the first half. Um, so you know, would have loved to see a little bit more of her this episode, but of course. Um, you know, I love seeing everyone else and there's only, you know, time for so many people in every episode. So I am, I'm surprised to see her that low down. Um, I don't know exactly where she normally is, but I would guess that she's squarely in the top half. Um, you know, maybe, you know, just a few spots down often the, the host is, you know, fills that top. Well, they always fill that top spot pretty much. Um, I know that we've been having a lot of turnover in the second spot underneath the host um for the last several weeks it seems like uh they've been a lot you know we've had like a different person kind of in that second spot um yeah seven not, consecutive weeks we had a different that's name yeah, that's, yeah that's a crazy stat yeah i love it i love yeah i love that churning of the cast members um as far as that uh major you know placement in the episode um but uh, but the biggest thing that sticks out to me is is Ego just being so far down there. So I'm so sorry. Yeah, Ego is uh, sixth in the cast in screen time with an hour 25. That makes so sense. So just just that she had two kind of off weeks. The uh, Jen Ortega episode, she was not in a ton either, um, but had that another again. You know, the Exorcist sketch. I think she stole the show. So just mm-hmm. goes to show that you can be in a little bit and make a big impact. Um, oh, yeah. I will say uh, I don't talk about the musical guests that much, but I, I was really into Liliati's performances with uh, Diana Gordon. I've been listening to uh, that album like all week now. Uh, yeah, so you into it, Andrea, I, I, yeah, and um, and that's actually what I was going to say. I um, yeah, I've been doing stuff at work. This has not been a good week for me to listen to a lot of stuff while I'm working. Um, but that was my first thought: is I'm gonna have to like check out this album because I really have never listened to any little Yachty at all. And, um, and I thought both performances were amazing. And the next day we actually had an SNL watch party, um, this weekend. And so, you know, with the show not getting over till 1am and my girlfriend's friends, you know, being over at the house and stuff. Um, I definitely stayed up pretty late that night. So I was, and then I had another friend come into town the next day who wanted to meet up for a, for lunch at one o'clock in the afternoon, I was like barely awake. But as soon as we got there, that was what I wanted to talk about. I was like, did you guys see this little Yachty performance? I just thought it was so cool and unique. And, um, and people there were ready to talk about it. They were like, Oh, you haven't heard it. It's like a psychedelic rap album. It's amazing. Um, so I, I plan on getting into it this week and I love the performance and I like the stage setup too. I'm just a sucker for green, my favorite color. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what SNL should do more. I mean, I don't know. I don't always know if it's the artist that comes in and tells the production staff what to do or they suggest things. But a lot of times the negative thing about hip hop artists is that there's not much to look at during the performances. And I was like, I like the band in the back. And we have some I said to my wife, and I'm like, love the vegetation. There's some there's some green on stage, you know, and then. <laughs> but yeah, the album is uh, Let's Start Here, Lil Yachty's album. Um, Zoe, are you a Lil Yachty fan? And then uh, if you could comment just on your thoughts on the episode and the screen time here. Oh, yeah, Lil Yachty. Um, I love to say Lil Yachty. I don't listen to a lot of Lil Yachty, but I really like his name. And I liked his fuzzy little hat. Um, 
But as for screen time, it was sad to see Ego at the bottom. Every time I see her at the bottom, I like get stressed out because I feel so emotionally attached to her that I'm like, she needs at least three minutes or I can't like sleep at night. Um, but then I also like, you'll have to tell me if this is normal, but I feel like Marcelo got a lot of time. Is that typical of what he's been getting this season? Um, well, it's his third episode this season that's had five plus minutes. His career mm-hmm. high was the previous episode because he like anchored okay. the cold open with Heidi. Um, okay. And so Marcelo, you know, bottom of the pack um, as far as the whole cast, he's down there with the rookies. Um, yeah. Marcelo has been like picking up steam for sure. Yeah. And what about Bowen? Is that like, I feel like it's low, but I don't know. I feel like we didn't see a lot of him. Is that normal? Yeah, I can grab you as average. Okay. Um, if you have any other thoughts, I'll grab the average real quick. I do think that um, Marcelo's getting good rookie minutes, though. As far as rookies go, like he's getting he's getting some time and he's making the most of it. Um, I feel like a lot of his appearances have been very memorable, and I feel that way about a lot of the rookies this year. So, um, so yeah, I, I think he's been do- I think he's been doing all right. It's tough in that first year, but um, but as I said, I think his performances are memorable. And um, to touch on the the set design for the musical guests, when um, I believe that when we had um, Don Roy King on and John interviewed Don Roy King, uh, SNL director, uh, old SNL director for a very long time until recently, uh, he talked about how musical artists do come in with their own ideas for that set. And... Mm. It's very tough, but it's his job because he said Lauren doesn't like to say no. So if an artist right, comes yeah. in and they want to do something cool, it's pretty much like, all right, figure it out, buddy. So um, <laughs> so I'm sure Lil, that was Lil Yachty's uh, planning. Yeah, Lil Yachty's like, we need to roll out some sod, uh, grow some grass <laughs> this week. Uh, but uh, Zoe, to answer your question, Bowen Yang this season has been averaging, including this week, uh, 6 minutes 17. Um, so... It's which is second uh, behind Keenan and Ego's 520 as her average per episode. So, yeah, I mean, the like I, we mentioned that stat about how it's been different every week and now JJ, but you know, third time in his career, the first time of his career that he led the cast was his first episode, his debut, uh, you know, season's 47 premiere, and then um, a couple weeks ago and now uh, this past week. So, definitely helps when you have like a solo cold open. So, um, and then, yeah, but I want to talk about uh, Quinta because this is a low uh, screen time for a host this season. It's the lowest this season. It's the lowest host screen time since Willem Dafoe last year, mm-hmm. who had 15 minutes, 29 seconds. And you might off the bat be like, oh, they should have had more. You know, he or she might have should have had more screen time, depending on the host, if you like the host. But I was like, I kind of like when the host is like in that range because they maybe are putting getting put in sketches that are like suit their skills. And I actually love when hosts like blend with the cast more and they're not just forced to be front and center. I'm sure Quinta could have done anything front and center. I mean, she's the star of a hit show, but I just, this sketch selection this week, I thought was really good for her. And Zoe, what do you think? I mean, did you, were you hoping to see more of Quinta when the show ended or were you kind of like, Oh, she killed it. I didn't really, I don't really care that she was only in there for 16 minutes, 13 seconds instead of like 20 minutes. Yeah, I definitely felt like I didn't see her as much or things weren't necessarily built around her as much as other hosts. But I think even looking back on like Abbott, 
She's from an ensemble TV show, so not every episode of Abbott is centered around her character. So I feel like she might have like a the spirit of a team player. So she probably came in willing to be put in a sketch wherever she was most useful. So maybe that's why the vibe of the night was a little different and it felt like maybe she wasn't as big of a bright shining star in every sketch, but I felt like where they had her, she was really um, doing some of like the best stuff in the sketch. Yeah, that's a great point about Abbott. And I mean, I was looking at this, I've been noticing a trend this season already that the host has had more screen time this season than the past two on average, like looking at, you know, Kiki Palmer had almost 24 minutes. Aubrey Plaza had 25 minutes. Um, Amy Schumer had 26 minutes. Meg the Stallion had 24. Miles Teller had 26. Um, so the only hosts that have had, you know, under 20 minutes so far, is like Selena Gomez last year. Uh, Michael B. Jordan had a one second shy of 20 minutes. Um, looking back, it's like Ariana DeBose, Simu Liu, Kieran Culkin, Rami Malek had 16.47, so like right on pace, basically with Quinta this week. Um, so I, but I, I, the episodes I listed right there, like a lot of them were really good. And um, Andrew Haynes, uh, his ID on Twitter, you know, his his handle is SNL has a cast. So typically when we see less hosts, that means we're going to see more casts, right? And, you know, less Love cameos, it. all that stuff. So what do you think, um, you know, obviously it can be an outlier this season, but you like the episode and do you, do you think that when the host has less screen time, that might be a good thing, not necessarily like just like a coincidence? I think it can be a good thing. I don't think that it necessarily is good or bad. I do have a little bit of a theory why the, the hosts are taking up a little bit more screen time this year. I do feel like the host bookings have leveled up a little bit this year compared to last year. Had a lot of first-time hosts last year. Um, I feel like uh, they have a little bit. We're booking a little bit bigger names this year. It just it just feels like a little bit of a, a bigger year in that way. So I wonder if they're giving them a little bit more time. Um, listen, when you have, you know, sometimes you have some comedy great you know come on the show and they're just going to be in every sketch and i don't have a problem with that at all you know as long as they're making me laugh that's what it's about um i didn't think twice about quinta in this episode because and she was amazing i loved this episode and i thought she was the perfect host and everything she was in she killed um it didn't even cross my mind that she could have been in more or obviously could you know could have been in less um i just thought the whole episode was so well-rounded. To me, the order of the sketches, um, every sketch was getting laughs for me. Yes, some a little bit more than others. Obviously, that's going to be any episode of SNL. But I just thought in particular, this was a really well-rounded episode where everything worked. Um, it didn't have any real duds. And she was brilliant in, in all of her performances. I just thought it was a really well-rounded episode. Um, her monologue was fantastic. Um, so to, to me, it was just the whole th the whole package was the reason that we tune in for SNL. This was a really great product this week. And I don't know that I would change anything about it. And I loved Quinta. She was amazing. Agreed. I mean, before we wrap up on screen time, I just, I thought maybe like the Kiki Palmer and maybe Austin Butler, like episodes like that, that I thought that the host could have been part of the cast. And everything just kind of like felt like good vibes the whole night. Totally. It was definitely good vibes. Yeah, I agree with yeah, that. Like like a fun show. I would just toss out too. I Keenan, 
I feel like Keenan usually has like more screen time, right? This is a low episode for Keenan. Oh yeah, this is a low episode. Yeah. You look at like Keenan's season so far. It's funny because you know we'll do power rankings later as we always wrap up, and it's like his like worst episode would be like a great episode for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be like you know like oh huge night for them, but it's like Keenan's like worst episode of the year. Um, yeah, looking back on Keenan's last five episodes, he had four thirty eight this week. Uh, Jenna Ortega, he had five forty eight. Kelsey was his lowest one. He had two forty one. Woody Harrelson, he had eight minutes six seconds. Pedro Pascal, he had four minutes forty three. Michael B. Jordan, he had a huge night with eleven minutes four seconds. And Aubrey Plaza, he had nine minutes. Um, so yeah, this was definitely lower for Keenan. But uh, I think the headline of the week, maybe even any time that I see SNL stories being picked up by media, that's always a great um, indicator for me to prepare some stats. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Zoe, what do you think? Like the the media was picking up on this week from this episode. Do you see any headlines? No, I wasn't on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, basically just like the Colin Jost, Michael Che moment oh. that, you know, <laughs> so I, I, that, that I saw a lot of like, anytime I see like, you know, those Facebook headlines or like anything like that, I'm like, that sees SNL. It always catches my eye. And I'm like, Oh, people that don't watch SNL are hearing about SNL, which is cool. Um, so yeah, I was going to, sh- I'm going to show some weekend update stats. And I did not thank you for telling me, did you say it was, Higgins, not his dad, but the young Higgins. Yeah, John young, Higgins. Higgins the young who, yeah, who yelled at Colin. I didn't know who that was. I, have, I haven't had a chance to uh, watch the hot take show um, or the roundtable, so it, that's probably been mentioned already. But I didn't know that that was um, that was John Higgins. So that's really funny. Yeah, if you go listen to it now with the knowledge that it's him, you can definitely tell that it is him. Um, and it, it would have been pretty wild of you know, I it, people have mentioned it on this podcast before, but it's it's amazing that. They've gone 900 and almost 50 shows and they don't get more audience interruption. I don't, you know, you barely mm-hmm. hear a sneeze in the audience, so, mm-hmm. let alone someone heckling an update anchor. Um, so, yeah, I have up here just you know, a huge shout out to uh, some help from, from John and the marketing team um, doing some joke segment counts for me. So it's kind of a thing that I wanted to do this this year uh, is just like how many times because I my most... Uh, frequently asked question as I bring up a lot is like, why do Michael Che and Colin Jost get different screen time? They have the same job. It's like, well, they get different guests and sometimes they get different, more joke segments and things like that. So I'm like, let's put it all out there. So I, I also love this picture, just the look on Michael Che's face when he realizes <laughs> that he just like absolutely, you know, derailed Colin Jost's week um, live on national TV. So we have up here. The screen time, the amount of joke segments, and the amount of guest segments. And by joke segment, I mean like when they put a picture next to Colin or Michael's face and they introduce a topic, they might make a couple, they might have a couple punchlines about that one topic. But I'm including that one segment as a, as a quote unquote joke um, for weekend updates. So Colin Jost on update only. Um, keep in mind, Colin appeared in the uh, Blue Christmas Goodbye to Cecily, and Michael Che appeared in the Please don't destroy Chelsea pre-tape with Stephen Marty. So they have one other appearance each. I did not include those in these stats. Colin Joe's screen time on update this year has been in one hour, 35 minutes, seven seconds versus a Michael Chase one hour, five minutes, seven seconds. So exactly 30 minutes more of Colin Jost. Zoe, when you watch 
um, we can update. Does it feel like there's more Colin Jost than Michael Che, or is this surprising to you? It definitely feels like there's more Colin Jost, and maybe this is just like um, because I already know that he statistically gets more. Um, he's definitely easier to make fun of, so I feel like that plays into it. Um, so yeah, it definitely feels like a lot more Colin time um, than Michael time. Do you have any theories why that is? Because I have, I mean, I collect the data myself, so I kind of know why, but I kind of want to ask an outsider of, do you know why he might get more screen time than Jay? I mean, I feel like you look at Colin Jost and you can just like roast him more, make more jokes. Um, he's funnier to make uncomfortable. Um, I feel like yeah, you're, he like, you're walks around as like a gigantic like punching bag. And so if a cast member wants to be on, I feel like I'd rather be with the guy who I can make fun of than um, Michael Che, who might be more difficult to um, make fun of and it might not land as easy. Right. And there's this, there's a, a punchline with the camera work that they do constantly. So listeners of our show will be well aware of this, but it basically it's they cut away from Michael Che almost immediately if he's if his if his joke segment is over they'll, they'll go to colin jost especially if it's a racial joke or a sexist joke they'll go right to colin jost and like make him follow Che's like dark punchline so he'll do some kind of like you know inappropriate or dark humor and then it's like cut to colin jost so like a lot of times the the laughter that you hear from michael Che's punchlines are happening while showing colin jost so that's one thing. And then just, yeah, going to more uh, stats here, Colin Jost have, has had 170 joke segments versus Michael Che's 134. And as far as guest segments, you know, whether it's one or two people sliding up to the desk, Colin Jost has had 19 guests this season and Che has had 14. So Andrew Haynes, what do you have to say about Colin and Michael's stats this year? So, yeah, that that phenomenon with cutting to to Jost after Che, you know, makes sense that it's going to build a little bit of a cushion there for him. I admit, though, it does not feel like to me. It didn't feel like we only see two thirds Che to to a whole Colin Jost. I mean, you know, basically an hour to an hour and a half. I didn't know the numbers would be that staggering. Um, that Colin Jost is doing like you know, 50% more, um, that, that surprises me. That does surprise me, honestly. I didn't, I didn't, the difference didn't feel that big when, um, when I'm watching the show, but, um, but that's a good stat to know. Yeah, it just, it's definitely interesting. And, and, you know, there are episodes that Che like outscores, um, Jost and, you know, but just after the, at the end of the uh, day, after 16 episodes, it's funny that it's exactly 30 minutes more. Um, and again, not including their other appearances, but just generally talking about, um, you know, Jost and Shay is like, what is it about their chemistry? I'll start with you, Haynes, that like, do you think it's changed over their tenure? And if not, then like, what about it works? Let's just say now. Well, I think um, they've, I think they've gotten as any two people working together, especially in this public way you know, would, I think they've gotten closer and you, you can tell that they're as good of friends now as they've ever been. Um, I know that some people, you know, over the last several weeks or at least several weeks ago, and maybe I've heard this a few times, people were saying that they didn't know if they were completely still, you know, like having a great time together or something. People thought that they were missing a little bit of some of the, the fun vibe that they've had before. Um, 
I, I mean, I think some of that, I mean, I think maybe the first time we saw that was the episode that Cecily left. That was when, you know, they both seem to not be in a great room mood, but I mean, it's pretty clear to know why that they would be a little bit off that night. Um, I mean, this past weekend, I, if you're worrying about the relationship between Colin and Che at this point, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this was amazing. I love the, um, I mean, I always love the joke swaps. I love pranks on weekend update. It's a great place for pranks to occur. Um, when they used to happen between, um, John Mulaney's writing and, and haters, um, performance of Stefan or the, the many other times that we've seen people kind of punk each other a little bit on weekend updates. And these guys do it the best. They have the best relationship, I think. Well, I don't know. Amy and Tina were were pretty close, but and and maybe they are even better friends. They probably are, because I. But but Che and Jost definitely have a really special thing going on, and I do think it's grown. Um, you know, as you would expect, and I think it's. But I never thought it was in a bad place. I always just thought, um, you know, I always thought they were buddies. But you do see more and more over the last several years, in particular. Um, how they're really like best friends. And I love the whole warm vibe between them. Um, I love that Colin can just always be the pump punching bag, almost always. Really, Che burns himself more than Colin burns Che, it seems like. Once in a while, Che will do a joke that like makes fun of himself. Um, Colin doesn't make fun of Che enough. Um, I'm just pro making fun of people. So I'm, I'm always <laughs> down for, for folks making more fun of each other. But I, I think they have a, I mean, clearly they have a great relationship. I don't know what people were worried about. I never really saw it. Um, I mean, maybe some days they weren't laughing quite as much as normal. I, I don't know. I just think people were reading way too much into it. Um, and this this weekend in particular was just so special. The The whole joke, I mean, so I'm sure folks probably know at this point, but if you don't, you know, Che asked the audience not to laugh at Colin's jokes as an April Fool's prank. Um, and, and you know, they weren't for a little while. Uh, he was getting just, I mean, people were laughing a little bit, but you weren't getting the full roar that you're supposed to get. And then, of course, um, after one joke in particular, when there's, you could almost hear a pin drop. Um, and then Steve, uh, John Higgins, you know, yells, you stink. Um, and Che, you know, tells him that oh yeah i told everybody not to laugh at you as an april fool's joke and you can just see his heart you know <laughs> like ripped out um moments before that um it was just so brilliant uh i mean we he burned him so bad and even and they they laugh about it so much and even when he tries to move on to the next joke he's like i'm sweating so much i think he says um you can tell he, he says uh you're evil yeah, yeah, he says that. Yeah, he said that. This is the meanest stuff. thing you've ever done to me. He yeah, says, and it uh, is, and it was hilarious. And you know, Colin loves it as a person who just, as a true comedian, you know, the truest form of comedian. Like, you know, Colin loves that so much. Listen, I'll tell you a little story. I have, I'm not, a, I don't do stand up, but I think I kind of have. I, I've done some, you know, comic writing, and I think I probably have kind of the soul of a comedian in the way that I get a little bit of, of fun kind of messing with people. And there's, for some reason, I don't know what happened to me, probably a question um, for my therapist, but like, it means so much to me when the people I care about make fun of me. Um, when my grandfather used to like, if my grandfather laid a sick burn on me, it was like the most amazing thing in the world. It was the best feeling. Um, and I know that that's exactly how Colin felt that night. Like, we're laughing so hard 
Um, and he was so terrified in that moment, but realizing that he was being punked on that level, I can't imagine how much it warmed his heart. And that whole segment was just like a massive Michael Che hug for Colin, I think in his soul, you know, so loved it. Amazing. Love it. Great comparison. And if I can add one comparison to that, it's like um, playing music is like when you're on stage and you're like playing a riff and the drummer gives you the stank face, you're like, that's <laughs> the highest form of uh, compliment compliments is when someone just gives you like the nastiest, grossest face. So you know that you did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoe, when you think of Colin and Michael and this, I think if I'm going to make a prediction, it is their last season. That's just my opinion. Um, and maybe this adds to that uh, theory that them doing this kind of prank and kind of laying it all in the field um, for their last six episodes, if that is true. When you think about them and say this was, say this is, a, we we're talking about the finale and that was their last show together, what would you, you know, describe their chemistry or their tenure on the show to someone who might not know? Because I know that's a big question, but yeah. it's like, <laughs> They they bring an energy that Seth Meyers didn't have, or Jimmy Fallon and Tina Fey, Amy didn't have. Like they almost have like a brotherhood. Like mm-hmm. it's it's and like Haynes said, it's grown so much. If you watch their old episodes, I remember when they started, like they weren't that good. Like in their first few shows, maybe even their first ten shows, a little rougher on the edges. And like now it's so smooth. So just I'm just kind of curious, Zoe. First of all, if if you know you want to see more of them in the future, but. Or you think that kind of run its course? They're both now have passed Seth Meyers' record um, for most shows behind the desk. So I don't know, just kind of like your thoughts on on them and their tenure on the show. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they make each other better. Um, I wouldn't want one without the other necessarily, and I think um, their fame hasn't outgrown SNL. Like I think um, they serve the show well when. Uh, when Weekend Update comes on, I think they like fill the role of the fake news reporters um, well that I'm not thinking, oh, I want to see this guy in a movie or I want to see this guy in a TV show. As for like whether or not this is their last season, I used to really be sick of them. Um, honestly, when I was like watching the show because me and my friends had little crushes on Pete Davidson, I'd be like, who are these like two old guys? Get them off the screen. But now I'm like, I don't want them to leave. And I also don't want anyone currently in the cast stuck behind the desk yet. So I feel like I'm still excited for everyone who's on the show right now being in sketches. I don't necessarily want them, um, their focus to be weekend update. But yeah, when I think of them, I think of like two besties and, um, like piece puzzle pieces to each other. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think maybe the show learned their lesson from the Cecily experiment that you know you really do handicap somebody by not allowing them to spread their wings in the writers' room and on stage and sketches if they're writing update jokes and that's their moment because you know we when Seth Meyers went behind the desk and became head writer like you know we I, like Colin and Michael we rarely saw him. Um, outside that role so i mean I, if I, I were to guess i would say it would be an outside hire or someone from the writer's room i know people have speculated about sarah sherman or dismukes or uh, michael longfellow all would probably do a great job but i wouldn't predict them to be um the next update actor andrew what do you think do you think that uh this is their last season i think that it's more likely than last season <laughs> 
I thought I kind of thought last season might be their last season. Um, and so, you know, this the, the longer you go, your tenure on the show, um, you know, the, obviously the more likely it is that, that it's got to be your last season sooner than later. So, I mean, I, I kind of think that, yeah, this might this might be the last season. If it's not, I won't have any problem with it all. I, um, I think Zoe made a really great point that like their fame has not outgrown the show. Um, I'm not tired of them in any way. But they're, they are in such a great place. Um, you know, it's fun to leave when you're on top. Um, I don't know. Maybe other people have grown uh, tired of them. Maybe they aren't at the top anymore. But it feels to me like they are. And the camaraderie is clearly at the highest level. And so it, it, it honestly does feel like they're kind of peaking in a way. Um, you know, not a lot of folks get to quit at the top of their game. You know. Uh, Mike and I are both big sports fans. That's not the way it goes for most of the greats. You know, most of the greats don't really go out and get to go out on top. Um, if they left after this season, I think it would be perfect and it would have been an incredible tenure. If they're back next year or if they, you know, want to try and get through season 50 um, because they have some secret knowledge that we don't, that the whole show is going to end um, and they're just going to fill this out, which I pray is not the case, um, then I would love to have them till the end. But I do, if I had, if I was a betting man, I had to put money down. I might say that, yeah, this, this would be their last season. Right. I, I think that the season 50 conversation has to be in our heads right now, wrapping up 48 into 49. So like, I think whether you think the season has been great or not so great, you would have to admit that it's a transitional year. And I think it's been a good one in my opinion. Uh, but I think that SNL and Lauren Michaels and the whole crew there at NBC, knowing how much of a legacy the show has, they have to be thinking about that. We want the show to be celebrating 50 years only because of how great the show still is. It's not fun to like, you know, sp- like again, Andrew, like sports teams, like to, to celebrate the greatest player in a sport and then have the team suck on the field, it kind of takes the magic out of it. It's like, oh, we used to be good. Like, So SNL doesn't want to show all the stars they've created, the Bill Haters, Sudeikis's, Adam Sandler, you know, Eddie Murphy, and then be like, you know, oh, but remember how good the show used to be? So I think with that in mind, it would it would behoove them to have to install the next regime of update anchors to give them at least a year before they have SNL 50. So I I think that has to be a conversation that I think Michael Che and Colin Jost would respect that like a next era should begin and shouldn't begin right at 50. So that definitely bolsters my opinion that it is their last season. We are going to move on to some cast stats on Weekend Update. And for context, I did put Che and Jost on this as well. So this is, again, the screen time of each cast member on Update so far this year in 48. And then I, I, I uh, ranked this one by percentage of their total because I was like, obviously, if you know they've been on Update more, they should have more screen time, right? So it's kind of obvious. So I figured I want to look more at how valuable is update to this particular cast member? So right now, obviously, Che and Joe's at the top. 99.7% of Michael Che's screen time this season has been an update. Like, no-brainer. Colin Joe's 989 
And then Michael Longfellow, 38.6% of his screen time this season has been on Weekend Update. He's been on there five times as a rookie for 14 minutes, 18 seconds. And of his five appearances on Update, that accounts for 11% of his appearances all year, even if it's a really small appearance like Pinocchio on the red carpet. Like That's an appearance. So I took percentages of their total stats this year. So I'll just read the top and then I'll get some opinions from um, my awesome guests. So Michael Longfellow, 14 minutes, 18 seconds. Marcelo Hernandez, who just had his third as a rookie this week, 10 minutes, 13 seconds. Sarah Sherman, 1047. But remember, this is about percentage of them being of their total screen time. So Marcelo Hernandez, 23% of his time on SNL has been on update. So a great way to look at this uh, chart, if you don't want to tune into YouTube and see the chart, is looking at Keenan Thompson. This season so far, he's appeared on update for 6 minutes 34 seconds. So has Devin Walker, basically. He's been on there for 6.33. But to Devin Walker, those 6 minutes and a half, six and a half minutes are so much more valuable to him because that's 17% of his season right there. For Keenan, 6% of his season. So Keenan's everywhere. He doesn't need to appear on update to get seen. So Zoe, when you look at this, this chart right here, I kind of just want to, you know, if you have the takes on the on the math and, you know, by all means, I love math, but <laughs> I, I kind of want to have a conversation about how important is update? Because I'm I'm kind of down to hear both sides that you don't need update to be successful on the show. And I'm also down to hear the argument that you absolutely need update to be on the show. So what is where do you fall on this? Well, for me personally, I feel like update is really important um, to get me to want to keep watching the show. I want to know who's on it every week. And so I think update is a great tool to um, express who you actually are and learn about the cast members. So I've like definitely loved getting to know Marcelo and uh, Michael Longfellow on update. Um, as, But also on the other hand, like Devin Walker, I don't really care when he's on update. i like think he does really well in actual sketches um so i'd say it's important but it's not like the end all be all haynes what do you think i i i'm I'm, so i'm kind of in a similar place to zoe in that i don't think you need weekend update to establish yourself but clearly they are using Weekend Update to establish the newer folks right now. I mean, you know, Michael, Marcelo, Sarah, and Devin are, you know, leading the pack um, right there under, under you know, Che and Jost, you know, as the people who are obviously on it every week. So um, they, I love that they're doing that. You know, when the season started, we, you know, it was kind of like everybody just started getting Weekend Update appearances um, I love that as a way to introduce them to us. Um, I don't think that, I mean, there are plenty of cast members who, you know, I don't think start out doing a ton of weekend update stuff um, and then become established names. Uh, but this is a way to, you know, the focus is obviously clearly on you when you're a weekend update character. So it's a really, I think it's a really great way to get to know the new folks. And I love that they're doing that. Um because as you can see from these numbers, you know, we would be noticing them a lot less um, if it was all, you know, in sketches. Um, so, you know, not surprising because I, I, you know, watch the show and know how much they've been featured on Weekend Update. But I do love the way that they're using them that way to give us that opportunity for sure. 
Right. And, you, you know, I think about the skill sets that individuals bring to the show. And uh, two, I thought of were like Ego Odom and Beck Bennett. So it took both of them a while to be on update. And it's not because they probably didn't have good ideas. It's, it's just because they're unreal live performers and sketches. So like if you put Ego Odom or Beck Bennett in a sketch, it's going to be a better sketch. That's like, I think that's almost undisputed. Um, like I said earlier with the screen time, Ego Odom popping up as the mom in the backseat of <laughs> in the traffic sketch with Quinta and Mikey and Chloe, like things like that, like just little things or, or being the, the straight man in a sketch and just kind of keeping the pace. So Ego and I would obviously Keenan is maybe the goat of being, you know, the leader of a sketch, which is why he dominates in all categories. Um, so people like that don't need update. Obviously, it helps. Someone like a Pete Davidson, I don't think his career could have existed without that. Leslie Jones, same thing. So if you are a stand-up comedian, it makes sense that behind the desk doing material that you have probably written all of or most of, that performers like that will do well with that. Um, but I think it's always just fun to see anyone have the spotlight on them. And if it's not in the cold open, it has to be we can update typically. And I mean, like, literally, like, spotlight on you. You're just talking to the camera. Um, so the only cast member this so, so far that we have not seen is Andrew Dismuke. So he's only been on update this season for 12 seconds. And that was way back in the Miles Teller episode appearing as Corn, opposite Bowen Yang's uh, Lanternfly. So... The Miles Teller episode, which I think aired back in 08 at this point. It seems so long <laughs> ago. <laughs> so we're going to look at all the update correspondence we've seen so far. And I want you guys to think about what your top three favorite update spots were this year. So I don't know. Any of you guys ready? Have you thought about this already? This is going to be a tough one. But... I knew that we would be looking at this stat and it would be super tiny on the screen. So I busted out my extra large <laughs> monitor. So I'm looking at the big monitor now, running through these. Listen, I mean, Sarah News at the time was just unbelievable. I mean, that's that was the very first one that I thought of when we talked about this. Um, I thought that was amazing. Obviously, you know, seemed like it was giving vibes of, you know, a possible audition um to be involved with weekend update later on um if it's listen if it's not if she if she just comes back and does that like once or twice a year that would be amazing um a but listen you know i think uh was my was child of divorce oh that was the second time we saw longfellow right was that the second one? right the uh, second one. yeah that that one I, that one that one i thought had some really good jokes um, with his relationship, uh, you know, with his father and stuff, but um, and James Austin Johnson's uh, Bill Walton, I thought was a really um, awesome impression. Uh, you know, some pe I heard some people, you know, if you're not familiar with Bill Walton, you might not have enjoyed it as much, which makes sense. Um, and but I loved it a lot, and I did think Heidi's uh, Gina Bianchi was amazing when she first did that one, and obviously she's a stalwart of the Weekend Update desk. Um, yeah, I mean, she just has so many great original characters. Uh, those are some of the ones that I loved. Zoe, what about you? Do you have at least one favorite? Um, yeah, I have some favorites. I really love um, seeing Marcelo. 
And um, I really liked Krampus. Um, I feel like that was hilarious in the costume malfunction. Um, I was really enjoying that one. Um, I love seeing every boxer's girlfriend again. Um, Heidi is like one of the reasons I fell in love with the show. So, and that's one of, she's one, that's one of the characters that made me fall in love with it. And then I feel like Punky Johnson and Mikey Day, when they came on, that was so like good. a breakthrough moment for Mikey Day for me. I said it before. I simply did not care about Mikey Day until that, um, that update segment. So I feel like I definitely want to give some attention and love to that. Um, just seeing them interact in the chemistry they had. Krampus didn't get a ton of love in that episode. And I loved it. That was, that one had a uh, three guests. It was uh, Krampus, which was Bowen Yang and his horn fell off, which is what's always referring to. Then uh, Colin's great aunt Pat, which is um, Heidi Gardner with uh, Mikey day as her, like, I don't know, sex Butler. I don't know. She was, you know, whatever, grabbing him and making him do things for her. And then um, Kathy Ann, which is Cecily Strong's, you know, goodbye in the Austin Butler show. Um, but yeah, uh, my, I, one I want to highlight is, you know, uh, Andrew, you mentioned Sarah news, which happened, uh, I think twice last year. Now twice this year, uh, is the Trish Dale, Peppa pig fan club president, which I mean, I'm a fan of the Sarah Sherman news segments, but that one was so good for me, which is <laughs> to see Sarah Sherman play a character at the desk and do that the facial expressions, the drawing she held up of the bears, um, you know, doing sex acts and just, you know, the absolute panic and freak out in her face. Uh, and, you know, working with um, Che and I, just, I, I love that one, I think the most. So, and we also had a guest this year. We had two guests. We had um, April Ludgate and Leslie Nope from Amy and Aubrey from that episode and then Drunk Uncle. So, I mean, obviously, pretty exciting anytime a former cast member comes back, especially folks as beloved, um, you know, as Amy Poehler um, and Bobby Moynihan. Um, and yes, I, I also really liked um, Peppa Pig fan club president. Her um, <laughs> sexual suppression um, in that was really hilarious. Um, but you know what I'm realizing as I looked at this list, because, you know, I already mentioned um, a couple of Michael Longfellow's. Uh, and and then I'm thinking about, um, you know, the Michelangelo's David, which we saw this week, and I really liked a lot. And also, I forgot, I had kind of forgotten about Punxsutawney Phil, um, and he's just, you know, this grumpy guy kind of having an existential crisis. And I'm realizing, like, I might be a huge Michael Longfellow fan, because I, these are these are hitting, like, they're like, his appearances are filling the top of my favorite Weekend Update characters so far this year. So, um yeah, he's obviously been amazing at the desk. Uh, I guess, you know, a, a lot of those characters he plays are just very, um, you know, they're they're these dry, kind of sardonic um, characters, and they're hilarious. And, you know, maybe if, if we do too many of them, um, we'll want to see something different from him. But right now, they're crushing. So that's like a realization I just had right now. Yeah, I mean, hard to look at this list and the stats we just showed before and not talk about Michael Longfellow just because I mean five appearances in 16 episodes for a rookie is just crazy anyway five five appearances for anybody would be crazy but especially a rookie so as, as I showed last um, slide that it's you know accounting for you know a, a big bulk of his season um, so you know again he appeared as himself in the, his debut you know a la Pete Davidson back in the day and then as uh, Andrew mentioned the he appeared again as a child of divorce. 
again, stand up segment, and then Punxsutawney Phil, Dilbert, and now um, Michelangelo's David. So, Zoe, have you been a fan of what Longfellow has brought to update so far? Yeah, um, I think he's fun. Um, I'm excited to see him. I mean, evilly in my heart, I'm like putting him and Marcelo against each other and they have to like fight it out for my affection. And um, I pick Marcelo. So I'd say I enjoy him, but I'd rather Marcelo every time. And I know I'm the only one and we shouldn't compare men and it's bad, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but that's just how I'm wired. <laughs> I I'm, I'm I love seeing both of them. I mean, I think there were... I, I have to mention the trend forecasters with AD and Bowen last year, which I, I absolutely loved. But, you know, I some of the update things could, can get tired, like you said, Haynes. So, I mean, and Bowen Yang was has been doing the same sort of things on update, but they just crush. So, like, how can you complain about them? So, if Michael Longfellow keeps doing what he's doing, you know, I don't think we're going to get tired of it too soon. Whereas some of, you know, the Cater Cecily things, maybe it got a little stale. Um, but, I, I, but just you know, they bring so much talent to the to the desk that I mean, I I never was mad to see them there, but it, it just makes me more excited to see somebody I don't normally see. So like last season, we had you know a huge breakout year for JJ, and he didn't appear once on update, and now first episode he's Mitch McConnell with Keenan as Russell Walker, and then he appears as uh, Millie Pounds and with uh, Devin as Shirty, and then he's uh, appearing as himself. For that his hundredth appearance, that was definitely one that I liked a lot. Um, yeah, the uh, the British rappers was very funny to me. Allergic to dairy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so oh yeah, one point about it we can update is uh, just a kind of offhanded remark by JJ, which when we're talking about Michael and Colin earlier, uh, Andrew, you made me think of this, which was uh, he's like, I figured I'd come on update and do them because it doesn't really matter. <laughs> It's just like that's kind of what the energy update brings that I like and that I want is to have it be the relaxed portion of the show where it's just it's you know it's if you mess up a line it's okay it's like you know because think about even the monologue is is scripted it's on cue cards it's it's rigid it's you know got to be four and a half minutes it's the cold open is like a lot of pressure you know Bill Hader talked about that but how it's like the countdown and all of a sudden it's just you talking to the country and the world. So Weekend Update kind of brings that energy that I like um, to have it be a little bit more relaxed. And of course, we saw the most relaxed Weekend Update last week. All right, we are going to wrap up tonight as we always do by looking at the entire season in the power rankings. So this is a stat that combines every piece of data of the season into one number per episode. This chart is getting quite large now. <laughs> it's 16 episodes. Um, as I said, way back to 2008 with Miles Teller, all the way till last Saturday with Quinta. So right now, uh, again, this combines screen time, appearances, weighted averages, percentages, all this stuff into one convenient number. So right now, King Keenan reigns supreme as always i think he's kind of uncatchable at this point because he's ahead of the number two person by 12 points again this is average over the season so keenan's at a 103 bowen's at a 91 heidi at a 90 and a half mikey at an 85 chloe's at number at fifth place with a 80 points per episode average jj right behind her 78.3 colin joseph's at a 78 
Ego Odom, 74.3. Michael Che, 57.5. Sarah Sherman, right behind 57.4. Andrew Dismukes, 46.6. In 12th place, Marcelo, 45.7. Michael Longfellow behind him at 42.4. Devin Walker, 41.3. Punky Johnson, 36.3. And Molly at 31.2. That is your 16 cast members ranked over the entire season. Zoe, when you look at a lot of numbers here, I mean, obviously Keenan, top of the class, but are you surprised by this at all? No. Um, <laughs> I'm sad. <laughs> You're sad. Tell I me mean, why. I want Punky and Molly. I just wish there was more time for everyone. I want to, I'm sad to see Punky and Molly at the bottom. Um, but everything else, I'm like, yeah. That, that seems like those Next are the out. accurate stats. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at, I also, you know, once in a while will include uh, who had a good episode or not so good episode to, uh, based on their average. So if you look at the bottom of the cast, um, Andrew, Marcelo, Michael, Devin, Punky, and Molly, all of their averages increased where the top Keenan, Bowen, Heidi, and Mikey, all their averages went down. So this was a little bit of an underdog episode, which I liked. Um, so if you look at it, uh, 6.4% increase for JJ as well, which is behind Marcelo, 7% increase and Michael, 6.7% increase. So they had the biggest nights compared to their season as a whole. Um, Andrew Haynes, thoughts from you? Um, well, the thing that jumps out is that we continue to have this kind of really clear delineation between the top half and the bottom half. Like it seems like there's always this like, 15-ish, 18-ish, you know, point gap between, you know, the bottom of of the top half and then the top of the of the bottom half. So I'm seeing a lot of stuff that looks familiar. Um I do like seeing the, you know, the boost to everyone on the bottom half pretty much. Um and it makes sense that, you know, that being the case that, you know, where those points would be coming from would be would be the top half. Um I'm not worried about Keenan. Or Bowen or Heidi or, or anybody up there, um, they will get plenty of time. So I love um, that every you know it's, it seems like a lot of the newer folks got a good boost. I mean, Marcelo and, and Michael got a big boost this week, um, so good for them. But I I love this uh, stat, this power ranking stat. I think it just you know it, it's nice to have everything kind of boiled down to one simple metric. Um, and I love seeing this chart and looking at. Um, you know, the, the impact and or screen time and I guess overall, you know, since we're waiting, you know, whether they said live from New York or whether, you know, the sketch is focused on them or if it's a weekend update piece. Um, I love seeing the variations from episode to episode and trying to, you know, trying to figure out why um, we have some of these differences. But it looks like um, I just think I just think it's really interesting um, that there are some that are kind of like if you look at the Miles Teller episode. I mean, that is stacked, like dark green, big numbers for everybody in the top half, you know, like it's like a wall um, coming from Keenan, you know, down to JHA. Um, right. It's they, like they're uh, wheeling out their starters right there. Right. Start exactly. the season with the, with the vets. Exactly. The yeah. So it's so interesting. And so now, you know, we're at a place where um, it, it looks like, you know, maybe we've had a chance to establish some of these folks. Um, we can push them out there a little bit more frequently. 
Um, so maybe Zoe, maybe this is just me being optimistic, but maybe we will get to see a little more Punky and Molly. I certainly hope so. And Zoe, to your point about uh, Molly and Punky. So Molly, uh, they just got to over 30 minutes of screen time this season, which is, I think, I mean, I'm, the data, I keep going backwards. I just covered the Idris Elba and John Mulaney episodes in 44. So I'm working my way back, getting more and more data, um, especially I, I'm really interested in the rookie data. So like Lauren Holt got 25 minutes and uh, Aristotle Tari got 15 minutes, 38. So I, I f- feel like, you know, Punky got like 26 minutes for rookie season. So those are, I think, hitting 30 minutes as a rookie. I, you know, don't want to call it too early, but it means like you're coming back. So obviously Punky came back without getting that, that um, hitting that bar. But Andrew and Punky and Lauren's season was a really weird rookie season. It was the election year where you had Alec Baldwin and Jim Carrey in every cold open for nine minutes each. And the cast had, you know, 11,000 people in it. And it was COVID and it was a strange time. You know, the stats are the stats. But yeah, I mean, Andrew, the, the uh, dissertation I went on last show was about that yeah, A squad and B squad. Mm-hmm. And then this past week, it almost sounded like there was like, they had starters and then they had like a second string because like we saw like Mikey and Keenan and uh, Devin and people at the top half of the show. And then the second half was like a whole different cast. We had Sarah Sherman having a sketch. And uh, if you look at the screen time again, it's like, you and think about where they appeared. It seemed like there was like a second half show cast and a first half show cast. So just kind of bringing those two things together. Um, and then for Punky, uh, Zoe is uh, mentioning that as well. Uh, she got her 100th appearance in the drug dealer sketch. She's now at 103 um, appearances in her career. So, uh, yeah, we had, we had four um, punkies this week. So I, I like to get, <laughs> I wish we got four punkies each week. Um, anyway, yeah, but this is how it stands right now. And I'll just ask uh, some rapid fire questions before we wrap up. Don't think too much about it. Just going to ask you the tightest races. You know, looking at this, we have a ton of data now. So, Zoe, who do you think will finish um, ahead of each other between Bowen and Heidi, who have been neck and neck all year? Right now, they're separated by 0.7 points. Who's finishing ahead, Bowen Yang or Heidi Gardner? I think it's Heidi. I feel like if um, the trend, if we keep trending like more Heidi without Cecily, Heidi is just going to keep being more, more and more and more Heidi. It has to be Heidi. Yeah, I mean, Heidi just had her lowest episode of the year, so I, I... I would bet um, on a big Heidi week with Molly Shannon, especially with the women of the cast. I think we'll have a good week in general. Andrew Haynes, the one of, I'll, I'll give you the tightest race because it's a really weird one. Michael Che and Sarah Sherman separated by 0.1. And again, this is taking into consideration almost 10,000 pieces of data. And as I mentioned earlier, Michael Che's average is 57.5. Sarah Sherman, 57.4. Who's finishing ahead? Yeah, this is a wild question because you've got one person who's essentially doing the exact, almost the exact same amount of screen time every week, right? And then you've got someone who is kind of riding a roller coaster of screen time. Um, and, you know, um, so she's she's up, she's down. Um, some weeks we get no Sarah. Some weeks we get a ton of Sarah, um, relatively speaking. Um, you know, not compared to Keenan, but compared to what what Sarah's often getting on the show. That's a tough question. I mean, the toughest. It, would, it yeah, and so so I could 
just bet on the stability of Che. But I'm going to say that I mean, Sarah's had a really strong season to me. And I don't think it's going to get worse. So I am going to say that Sarah ekes out Che by the time this thing is over. Yeah, and Sarah uh, literally on a roller coaster with Michael B. Jordan, too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Michael Che just... Actually, the impetus for the power rankings, I think, I mean, way back when, when I started doing this, it was like, because if you do a screen time ranking, it's always going to be update guys and Keenan. And it's like, that's no fun. If you do by appearances, they're always going to be at the bottom because they get one a night. So I was like, there has to be a way to factor in all the empirical data I can get my hands on we see every week and make it do a stat. So that's why, you know, otherwise it would be every week. It'd be the power rankings are Colin Joseph, Michael Che, and then and Keenan, and that's it. So um, last one for Zoe. Chloe Feynman versus JJ. Chloe right now leads by 1.5 on average. Who's finishing on top? Chloe Feynman had a great episode with Quinta and Woody Harrelson, Pedro Pascal, um, Stephen Marty and Meg the Stallion. Those were her best episodes this year. Um, I'd say Chloe, but I feel like for who's going to give us more memorable stuff, um, JAJ. I definitely feel like what he does sticks in my head a little bit more than Chloe. So, but I think Chloe's going to win. All right, we have a vote for we we picked Heidi, Sarah Sherman, and now Chloe. And then, oh, maybe I should have given you the Marcelo Andrew one, but I'll give Andrew the Andrew one. So Andrew and Marcelo, so a rookie versus a third year, separated by 1.1. Who's going to win this year, Andrew or Marcelo? Gosh, I mean, it does feel like Marcelo's been coming up and his mukes has been down a little bit recently, but I don't think I'm going to fall for that trap because it's natural that Marcelo should be on an upswing right now since he's a new cast member. Um, and I'm going to say that Dismukes finds a way to squeak this one out. All right. Definitely maybe the race to watch, I would say, because Dismukes has been probably the most inconsistent. And I don't mean that in terms of performance. I mean, in terms of stats, because look at the, uh, the dark reds on this, on this chart you know, only been a couple shutouts this season, um, which which were uh, Dismukes and Travis Kelsey, Dismukes and Pedro Pascal, Punky and the Woody Harrelson episode, Molly and the Kelsey episode, and that's it. So the fact that uh, oh, Longfellow in the Martin and Martin episode. <laughs> so there's only been a handful of shutouts, which that they came became a regular thing in the past couple of years that they'd be cast member gone. So I love the team atmosphere this year. That is very rarely a shutout, but this Mukes has, you know, right away, cold open season premiere. He's on screen the entire time and he's had up and downs. So that one's the one to watch. And the last one, I'll give myself the last one Longfellow and Devin. So, they're also separated by 1.1, like Andrew and Marcelo. So right now they're in the uh, 13 and 14 spot. The fact that Michael Longfellow's already had five update appearances, I think that'll probably do it. I'd be surprised if he got to six, especially if there's any cast departures and there's any goodbyes coming up. So I think we might get to see a good Devin-led sketch. 
And Michael Longfellow has kind of had a reputation, a good one that is, of being someone who just kind of pops in, gets a laugh, and is out. So, you know, Devin Walker has had a couple little points like that, but I can see him taking a bigger role in sketches and Michael Longfellow being the, the quick joke guy, as he did in the drug dealer sketch, which I thought was an unbelievable appearance by him this past week, um, blending oh, into the wall, awesome. selling was, black tar heroin. I thought that was <laughs> such a fun, just creative little joke, the way that they had him in there and, and then popping out. Um, yeah, that was a great appearance. I love that. Right. I mean, possibly should have ended the sketch right there. I think it was the, right. the, the climax of the sketch. And, you know, it's, if you write sketch comedy, that's it's really hard to end sketches. So to get a, a huge, like, kind of wrap it all up and kind of reverse the joke and do that is, is a great way to end sketch. So I, I will pick Devin in that race. I, I think it's going to be really close, though. Um, anyway, that'll do it uh, for stats tonight on SNL. I can't wait um, next week. We're talking about the 20th cast member in SNL history to host the show more than once with Molly Shannon. So expectations, Zoe, are you a Molly Shannon fan? She's been in a couple TV shows lately. You watch old SNL or anything? Yeah. I mean, when I see her, I like her. <laughs> well said. But I can't tell you anything I've seen her in. <laughs> Short and sweet. Yeah. So I love, so people that, um, I like her. People, people who see the episodes with me, uh, know that I'm a huge Molly Shannon fan. When I was getting into SNL was about seventh grade. So that's 1997. And obviously, uh, she was a star of the show, you know, with Sherry O'Terry and Willow Farrell. Well, she was a superstar uh, of the show. Yes, exactly. With, with yep, mm-hmm, with Farrell and Catan and all those folks. So, and she was a yeah. I mean, the superstar was was huge, but really, so many characters of her uh, were just massive at that time. Um, can't wait to see what kind of kicks she brings back. She's a real kicker. SNL's really been uh, promoing the kicks this week, so we'll see if she we'll see what um, what kind of kicks she throws for us. But uh, to me, she was she was my generation's Cecily Strong. She played those similar types of um, big extreme characters, and she just put so much um, into them, uh, so much energy, so much passion, and she's just unbelievably funny i mean i love molly shannon so much so excited um to have her back um sniffing my fingers already <laughs> if there's one thing on your uh, molly shannon i mean she hasn't hosted since 07 with musical guest lincoln park so it's, it's been a while um what's on your number one on your wish list for the molly shannon show because you're oh going to podcast about it. So, you know, maybe you can re- reference this moment right now and say, I got my wish. That's true. Um, gosh, what would be, what would I be hoping for with Molly? I mean, all of her, you know what? I, there are so many characters um, that she did. And I would, I would love to see, and I'm forgetting the name of this sketch right now, but um, when she was on the talk show and she would always say like, yes, 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 yes. And kick her feet in the air. That was like a one that kind of, I fell in love with a very long time ago. Um, But I would love her like um, drunk lounge singer uh, characters. I would, um, anything that she does, if she brings back anything, I mean, we'll be thrilled to have that kind of callback. Um, 
but it definitely, I, I don't need that as a gimmick either. I mean, she is so awesome in everything that I think that she will, she will have, I mean, she's going to be perfect. Although I will say, I'm sure that they will bring back at least one character. And the reason I say that is because I think the characters that she was best at were these really ex- big, extreme, wild characters. And I think it will be a real challenge um, to come up with something like that um, completely from scratch this week that we know might hit as big. So I wouldn't be surprised if they brought back one big character like that. But I hope, listen, I hope they write her into a bunch of stuff and we get to see her as a bunch of modern day extreme characters. Like if she plays some sort of, you know, just off the rails, um, you know, conservative talk show host or something, not to steal like, um, uh, you know, anything that Cecily's been doing. Um, I don't want to over compare them because they're, they are completely separate, but I do see a lot. I do see some similarities. Um, if they give her like a, a big character like that, that would be great. Um, whether it's old or new, but I do predict if you're asking for a prediction here, I do predict they'll bring a character back. Right. I mean, you don't bring somebody back to the show and then not acknowledge they're on the show. I mean, Sudeikis being a recent example, playing Biden again, because Biden's now president. And then he played the devil again on update. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it would be kind of almost strange to not acknowledge that. Yeah. It's not exactly a hot take to say that, yeah. that, they'll, that, they'll, <laughs> that she might bring a character back. Um, but yeah, exactly. I, I definitely think it's going to happen. So we'll see which one. Awesome. So, um, Zoe, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Uh, do you have anything to tell listeners or whether they can reach out to you or anything like that? Um, nowhere for anyone to reach me, but thank you for having me. I really had a good time. Absolutely. I had a great time too. This has been a really fun show. Um, Andrew Haynes, uh, anything, to, anything to plug other than the, uh, upcoming Atlanta Brave season? <laughs> um, it's going to be a good one. I'll say that. I think the Braves are going to be good this year. Gosh, I'm knocking on wood because I hope I didn't just like curse our whole season right now. Um, no, nothing, nothing to plug. I know you, you can find me on Twitter at SNL has a cast or um, Instagram at Kendrew attitude. Um, always love talking SNL and you know, I've been, you know, for a long time, I was not on social media at all, literally for a decade um, from, you know, 2000. Yeah, basically 2000, 11 to you know 2020 or something um and so it took me quite a while to creep back into this john really forced it on me uh but i did make a commitment um sometime in the past couple months i mentioned on one of the shows that i promise i will start interacting with folks again so if you if you tweet at me or or comment on something um or send me a message yeah i love talking snl with folks and uh and i'm glad to do it so that's where you can find me Awesome. Well, great to have you back. Um, I'll see you in two years. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> um, well, it's been, it's been a fun time. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, Page and feedback show tomorrow night. And then the hot take show at 1 10 AM following the Molly Shannon um, Jonas brothers episode uh, only on NBC and Peacock. So for Andrew Haynes, Zoe Walker, I am Mike Murray from the SNN. We will see you next time. Thank you.